Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. As Nike trainers, international retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, we help people from all different backgrounds push towards their potential, get healthy, and change the world. This podcast is about teaching others to actively pursue their entrepreneurial dreams, similar to how we pursued ours, and how to get and stay healthy doing it. We didn't start our careers in training and wellness. Jason worked in public accounting, and I, Brett, worked in corporate retail until starting our dream experiential wellness business, Live Better. What started as an idea for a protein bar led us down a path to build what Live Better is now, which performs everything from personal training and corporate wellness to international wellness retreats and yoga and meditation for kids. We are here to encourage you to follow your dreams while holding you accountable. It's not easy, it's not always simple, but it is possible. Let's make today the best day ever. Hey, Live Better fam. We are back and could not be more excited to have Logan Aldridge on the podcast today. Logan is a CrossFit Games competitor, is the fittest person on earth in 2021, also fellow Nike fam, um, and doing everything with a smile on his face and working his ass off amongst a lot of other things. Logan, we're super excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, Where are you checking in from today? Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm coming from Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, great. Yeah. How's it like in Raleigh right now? You know, it's it's summer, so it's freaking, you could, the the air is wet. That's how, more, <laughs> that's how humid it is. It is, feels like 110 degrees with this humidity, so. When you have um, days you sweat like that, a lot. When you've got days like that, especially being a CrossFit guy, uh, are you doing your conditioning outside or are you, uh, <laughs> are you doing it inside on, on the treadmill on the erg? Right. I think you know the answer to that. You know, <laughs> CrossFitters, we just want it as hard and hot as possible. So everything's outside. You know, I mean, I have, I have an awesome home gym, super fortunate to have that. But that home gym is in a detached garage and that detached garage is basically just a shed. So whatever temperature <laughs> it is outside, that's what it is in there. Uh, and that's what you, you figure out how to work through that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Logan, you, for, for people that are just getting to know you, we were talking a little bit about this, or I just mentioned it before we started, but you are, to me, one of the most inspiring people on social media, one of the most inspiring people in broader health and wellness. The first time I looked at your page, I was like, this is just fucking awesome. No excuses, <laughs> getting after it. And then the very next post I see, pipes a driver off the tee, <laughs> and I was like, fucking cherry on top. We need to talk <laughs> to this guy. Um, I want you, in your own words, to just like introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you stand for, um, which obviously goes a lot deeper than just your CrossFit pursuits um, and achievements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, a good way, I think, to summarize my my passion and interest is um, the fact that uh, I... I have, since the age of 13, after losing my arm, been constantly put in scenarios and situations where um, we as individuals have the opportunity to show we're far more capable than folks uh, expect someone to be. Uh, when you have a physical impairment, when you're missing a limb, an arm, a leg, you're in a wheelchair, naturally, the world around you uh, expects what you're capable and not capable of. Uh, so I'm, I'm motivated and inspired by expectations placed on me 
positive or negative. Uh, so when folks tell me I can't do something and I won't be able to play golf again and I won't be able to play lacrosse and CrossFit's too hard for somebody with one arm, this is 100% fuel for my fire. So uh, I am driven by human potential. And I've been so fortunate that over the past, uh, gosh, almost two decades now since losing my arm, I've seen time and time again, human beings defy the odds, defy what was possible in their own regard and in what is expected of them kind of uh, from the world we live in. So uh, I, I do use my social media as a platform to encourage, motivate, inspire folks. And I try to do that in a little bit more of a practical way than just showing uh just constantly showing videos of me working out. I try to add some insight, information, education in there as well. When it comes down to it, no matter if you're missing limbs or if you have all your body parts or whatever, we're all struggling with our own internal dialogue to figure out how we wish we were better, faster, stronger, fitter, smarter, whatever. Uh, and we get wrapped up and we get really caught up in thinking about all that. Woe is me. Wish I coulda, shoulda, woulda. Uh, I try to use my message, my social media presence to encourage folks to take action, like get up and make something happen. Um, momentum is in movement is a phrase I like to say, and we get paralyzed by thinking about what we should do, what we could do. And if we just get up and three, two, one, go and go start something, uh, we'll get the encouragement, the confidence, uh, everything we need to then take the next step for a bigger challenge or something else. And I've just seen this time and time again with myself and my own desires and goals uh, and with many, many other folks. So it's a little bit of a nutshell of, I think, who I am and, and what I'm trying to share through uh, my presence on the internet. When you, um, if I saw your story correctly, it was a boating accident, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you, and you were pretty young when that happened. Yeah. In your, te like your teenager, right? Yeah, I was 13. Yeah. So at 13, when this happens, in my mind, I, I think for 13 year olds that are driven and in sports, it might come slightly more naturally, but when you're 13, you're not, your mindset is a little different than it is as an adult where you can process all of that and sort of start to understand like, you know, this is my journey. This is my story. And I have to, have to feed myself. I have job responsibilities, but when you're 13, you're still having fun. Totally. Um, can you just walk us through like, what that felt like as a 13 year old uh if you remember like what was going through your mind as a 13 year old were there any like people that helped kind of push you past that like what were those things that gave you the insight to say you know this is not woe is me this obviously right. sucks mm -hmm. but this is something that i'm just going to actively choose to overcome like what was that process and then where did sort of crossfit enter the picture because it's obviously a big part of your life yeah yeah for sure great question and uh really important answer that i give here because it really defines my perspective and attitude uh that i still have today um and it, it comes from you know you're 13 years old that that moment that you know, half second happens um, you're in an unpredicted scenario all of a sudden, a tragic scenario. I'm on a boat with that, you know, we're supposed to be going to my dock to eat dinner. And now all of a sudden the boat's covered in blood and people are screaming. And in my mind, it's okay. This isn't real. First of all, this is, this is a, all of a sudden, this is a really bad dream. So you think that first, this can't be real, can't be happening. And then I had my dad take me to my bedroom and show me my bed. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm not in my bed. Thought for sure I would just be in my bed. 
And then I would like see myself and wake up or whatever, like inception or something. But that wasn't the case. And, uh, and he knew that, you know, obviously he knew that was my dad, but he wanted me to, you know, grasp the reality of this situation. And, um, I started to, after that moment and I was like, holy shit. Okay. If I'm awake and this is actually happening, I cannot feel my arm at all. Like this is wild. I can't feel it. It's, it's laying on my body, but I feel like it's laying over there. Like, this is crazy. What does this mean? And in my mind, I'm just thinking. And uh, it took a while for the ambulance to get to us. We were in the middle of nowhere where this lake house was. Um, so I had some time to sit and think with my mom and dad sitting there. Um, and my thought as a 13-year-old that just had this weird feeling of a freak accident happened on my left arm, um, where it's not completely mangled. Like, there's just a laceration around my bicep tricep. So, and there's a tight tourniquet around that. So I don't even see it. So I just noticed that I can't feel my arm at all. So my brain starts thinking all these thoughts like, oh man, like, am I just going to have a badass tattoo around my arm or like, you know, a scar that is just going to look like a badass tattoo around my upper arm. And like, this will be a cool story. Am I going to have no function in this arm? Like, is this arm just going to be useless the rest of my life? And then it was like, oh shit, are they going to, am I going to have this arm amputated? Like, is this, is there going to be no way to regain this feeling and function of this arm? And those sort of three scenarios were in my head. And as we got into the first ambulance, uh, I asked my mom and she's in the ambulance with me as a mother would be in that moment, trying to just stay calm and keep me calm. And I just looked to her as I'm like weighing out these scenarios in my mind of what the outcome could be. And I said, mom, what if I lose my arm? Uh, and that moment is when she said something that lasted with me forever. And it's still like my motto when it comes time to face a difficult situation or hard challenge. And that is she looked at me and said, Logan, it's just an arm. Now, those words can be very simple. And I think they were in the way that she delivered them. I think, frankly, it was she was just trying to manage her own emotions as a mother and think, oh, my God, if my son just lives like it's just a freaking arm, it doesn't matter. Um, but man. Those words were powerful in a, in a more direct way for me to hear because at that age and me thinking about these outcomes and her saying that, that phrase, it shifted my brain. And, and I think it does this for anybody. And when you can um, put yourself into a perspective where you think about a scenario a little bit differently. And that's all that happened when she said that word. All of a sudden I went from this arm, this arm, oh my God, what's happening to Logan? It's just an arm to saying, okay, well, shit. Yeah. I want to live through this. I didn't even think about that. If I live, that's a plus. Okay. So there's a silver lining there. Number two, it is just, I do have another one like, but I was left-handed. So that was a bit of a bummer. I was like, damn it. You're taking away the dominant arm here and lefties are already unicorns in the world. So, you know, you have to take a freaking unicorn out of this world. So I'm like, all right, but okay, you have, a, you have another one. It's one to work with. So I think uh, to answer your question, like that's, that's who it was. It was my mother and it was the statement, it's just an arm. And that has been a message I've shared with people. And I don't expect individuals to relate to a message of it's just an arm. But what I do try to tie into and explain to other folks is it's the same process of anything. It's the same idea in the way that I use that word is the same way in which we hit the snooze button on the alarm. It's just procrastination. What the phrase it's just an arm does allows me to take action right now to stop thinking about it, to stop thinking, well, I would love to learn how to uh, play lacrosse again or learn how to wakeboard with one arm, but man, it's going to be hard. My dexterity, my grip strength, I don't know if I can do it. No, it's just an arm. Go try. 
go try it. So it was a way for me to create a statement to just take out all of these negative thoughts and these potential excuses as to why I shouldn't try or can't do something. And it allowed me to just take action. And it was okay if I failed. I think that's what's really important is that I failed at a lot of things. I learned there's a lot of things that I cannot do well with with one arm that I could with two. And I thought I could. Um, But I had to learn that myself. And that statement is just an arm allowed me to have the encouragement and the confidence to be like, all right, Logan, you can go try this. And if you fail, it's all good. But you have to try it yourself. You can't let somebody else tell you you can't do that. And then you just accept their expectation and move on. So that's a, she was a huge part of my mindset uh, moving forward. And that's still a phrase that I say to this day. What is that when you're when you're thinking through that now as an adult, you have some accomplishments, you've, you've got a life, you've got a message, you've got a following. On the hard days, has that, it's just an arm like, morphed at all has that have you taken on any other meetings like walk us through you know when it gets challenging now what are some of those strategies you use when it's not so simple when it's your mom delivering that to you as a 13 year old when you're kind of on your own like what what do some of those hard days look like now and has that thought process changed for you or any of those mantras changed no that's a great question um and the the intention of that statement always remains the same. What I've also done, what I find really effective for myself, because it's all it all comes down to the self talk and the like, the lens at which you're looking at your life. That's that's all it from the when you wake up and you decide that you're having a you're having a bad day and you're tired. It's just the lens. It's the lens at which you're looking at life through this moment in this time, and you can always change that perspective to being more optimistic or, or more realistic or pessimistic, whatever the case may be. So for me, yes, it's just an arm's a good reminder. And it does remind me of all these things in the story I just told you. But when it comes down to like a tool that can immediately flip a switch, uh, it's, it's a vocabulary shift. And a lot of folks are familiar with this. It's just putting it into practice daily that makes a massive impact. And that's just the subtle art of changing your have-tos to get-tos. So on the days when it's the hardest, I don't have to do shit. I don't have to do anything. Like, And, and it's super easy for somebody with a disability, especially a, a physical disability, to own that. Be like, I don't have to do anything. I'm disabled. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm in a wheelchair. I don't have to figure out how to go to the grocery store today. Like, this is... That is so difficult and challenging and there's solutions for that and, and all these things. Well, no, 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 you, you get to. And once you start to shift that, that message, that vocabulary, it's just a place in which your brain thinks about what is important and necessary in our lives, what we do have to do. And, and again, it just reiterates to me that like, if we could just recognize that in every moment of every day, everything that we have could be far worse. And that's all that it comes down to. It's just the, the reality of, I have a lot of friends. I'm so fortunate I've gotten to form relationships with a lot of combat wounded uh, veterans, literal heroes, um, literal world heroes. And I got to hear their stories. And I, and I see guys, I know guys that ha- are missing three limbs and have some of the most positive attitudes and outlooks on life. Uh, and I ask them, I'm like, how can you be so positive all the time? Um, cause I'm not, I can't, I'm not that way. And their, their message is, and whether they're wounded or not, it's nothing as, as hard as being shot at. Like if you're not getting shot at anymore, you're probably okay. Like everything's probably okay. Even the worst day here 
in life is not as bad as almost blowing up or getting shot at. And so that was always a message where I was like, oh my God, yeah, what a perspective. What a perspective. So I obviously can't relate to that. I've never had that honor to serve for the country, but I can relate to that and how my life was with two arms and what it means to have one now. And that's what it reminds me of. It's, it could, it could have been worse. And I did that, you know, I did that in the hospital. I pretended that, uh, after my amputation and I was in the ICU, I pretended that I lost my leg as well, just so that my brain could be like, damn, if I had lost my arm and my leg, that would have been a lot worse. Uh, so it's just instant gratitude. You're instantly like, wow, thank God I have my legs. Um, and those little, those little tools, those little practices, were really helpful to me. So the have twos to get twos is one that makes you practice gratitude instantly. Gratitude, I think, is something that everybody can can work more on too, just to see what, like you said, all the things that we're blessed to have in the moment right now. And we're going to dive into a question later in the episode that you just, we'll, we'll circle back on everything you just said because it like summed up how we end every episode, which is amazing. Oh, cool. Uh, I want to I ask a couple more in-depth questions about training. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I are trainers. We're both athletes and doing a bunch of cool stuff. And when we saw you doing what you did in the last CrossFit Games, I was like, how does this guy work out? Like, what's his regimen? So obviously, you know, preparing for the games is a little bit different and, you know, you're, you're working your way up to an event and then have on and off periods. Um, what does a, like, what's a typical week look like for you training wise? Um, and then once we answer that, I want to talk about just like some of the cool modifications and things like, how do you work out your left pec? How do you like, like the yes. last you just made is you flex in your left pec. How do you, how do you work that thing out? You look balanced as hell. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny so, to say that. Yeah. Um, I would just love to know what, like just from a strict training perspective, what does it look like? Um, and then we'll dive into how do you do some modifications and continue to, to work at the events you have to work on in the games. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Feel free to humble brag a little bit about what the weights are because this isn't like, this isn't like someone's like, Oh, I I lost a limb and now I'm just interested in fitness. Like you're moving real fucking weight around. (laughs) Feel free to just like tell people some PRs or workout times or whatever. Oh man. Okay. Okay. We got a lot. We have a lot of fitness people on our show, so yeah, you know, everybody would love to hear. Just all right. Yeah, out for a second. <laughs> I'll do my best uh, to explain. Um, a typical week for me is uh, six days of training and one rest day. Um, the way that that's broken up is very much. It's this. It's this concept of we need to do strength and conditioning training and a lot of accessory focused accessory work. And then um, mixed in with like building on some metabolic conditioning pieces. But like the, the main piece is like a squat cycle. I'll go through a squat cycle, like a 10, 12 week squat cycle. And that's the focus is front squats, back squats. And then we're mixing in a lot of mixed modal conditioning pieces, Metcons and CrossFit stuff. But for me, the part that I love and I spend a lot of time on, I think it's pretty obvious when you look at my social media stuff is the barbell. And as a one-armed athlete, it's typically something that is more often avoided. Uh, You know, kettlebells, dumbbells offer really great stimulus for single-arm athletes. Uh, But for the sport that I participate in, and frankly, just from my love for the barbell, I was super uh, eager to figure out how to manage the barbell uh, one-armed. So I think the reason that I love CrossFit in its methodology is because my brain from an athlete perspective, I think is extremely ADD 
And I think that's exactly why I'm so attracted to this idea of walk into a gym. There's this workout written on this board. Uh, you look at it, you read it, and you figure out how you can best attack that for you that day. And it's always different. And that was my first year in CrossFit was literally that every day was like, oh, shit, we jump rope in here. How am I going to do that? Oh, they climb ropes in here. How am I going to do that? You know, so it's constantly these new movements that would be uh, exposed. And I wasn't just trying to figure out how to do them. I was trying to figure out, okay, here's the, the top three fittest guys here in this gym. How can I make sure that my perceived effort is similar to theirs? Says I don't want to be doing harder work than them, but I want to get the same sort of response that they're getting from doing whatever. Fran, for instance, you know, with thrusters, thrusters and pull-ups or something. So I would uh, monitor that. I would watch that and then monitor and like modify the movement and obviously the load, the weight of different movements in order for me just to maintain stimulus and, and response, like phys- physiological response that they were getting from workouts. And to be honest, I did that after about a year of comp- like the complete opposite approach. When I first joined CrossFit, I had just graduated college. Um, throughout college, I was playing for a um, like a club collegiate uh, lacrosse team. I was on a club wakeboard team, and I worked out a lot with my friends. Way more of like bro bro lifting in college. Literally, the mindset was, "All right, Logan, you got one arm. Make that one arm bigger than everybody's two arms. <laughs> yeah. Nobody will talk shit. You'll be a fucking monster at the club." So that was my goal in college. Uh, didn't work. I could not eat enough food to grow. Man, I am freaking. I'm a hard gainer. I can't. It's just, just. I just can't grow. But that's all I did. Pure strength training, all focused on this arm. Uh, and so then after I uh, got a great job back in Raleigh and was like going to a globo gym, doing the typical thing, not talking to anybody, just, just going, working out, going home, go to work, work out, go home. Immediately realized I was like, all right, I've been curious about this CrossFit stuff. It's time to like, I, I can't see me living a life of just going to the gym, talking to nobody. Like I'm a, I like to talk. I like to be around a community and I'm missing that now. So I went and joined a CrossFit gym and that's how it all started. And in that pursuit uh, of starting CrossFit, I was just like, okay, there's no excuse. I'm going to do exactly what's written on the board. And I did that for about the first year, uh, which I think at that age, I was able to do that. No problem. Like overtrain every day, I think is what was happening to my body. Like physiologically, I think I was frying myself, but I was 22, 23, you know, good time to do it if you're going to do that. And then about a year into that, I started to, my brain started to turn on a little bit and be like, Logan, what are you doing? Like, how about you try to dial it back and try to maintain what is intended in each of these workouts? Uh, So that's when that real thought process of let me adapt, let me actually change this to make it the best for me uh, sort of went into play. But uh, throughout the whole time, my my friends and fellow training partners, able-bodied folks, able-bodied guys, um, you know, I would stick with them. I would do my best to stick with them on the reps, on the loads, on the, you know, I started to realize that deadlifting was really difficult to do just one handed all the time. So I invented a, a harness called the Aldridge arm, which allows me to have a, uh, a chest strap and allows me to basically anchor on my impaired side on my left shoulder and attach to the barbell, creating two points of contact on the barbell or object or kettlebells or whatever it may be. Um, and just create a ton of symmetry. 
a ton of symmetry in a movement pattern that I was getting very asymmetrical in by doing just unilateral um, pulling. So once I started to implement devices like that, I started to develop a totality of strength, like literally like a, a mass. I had plateaued in single arm strength training and just fitness. And by introducing something as simple as that, a second point of contact for heavy load deadlifts uh, went through the roof. And deadlifting went from like 225, 285 to like instantly 405 and then up to 455, 475. Um, and up the high four hundreds has always been where I'm able to pull with that harness on. Um, and then I spent a lot of time pulling and then I realized that like front rack, front rack position is the secret. It's the Holy grail to advancing in CrossFit. Um, because it's your, it's your, it's your front squats. It's your clean. It's the receipt. It's so important. So I spent about the next year front squatting almost every day, like always front squatting to build, to build the front rack position. And frankly, I wasn't even focused on the legs. I was trying to develop strength and, and, um, sound like stabilization in my impaired side. Uh, and you know, to bring it up to currently today, like the most recent Instagram I video I just posted today was, uh, showing how I bench press and how I put a band onto that limb and really try to get that pec to engage because I'm very aware of it. I'm trying to grow these sides. I'm aware of minor imbalances I have now that were major imbalances five years ago. I mean, this, uh, my left side, where you could see the ribs through all the whole chest. Uh, so, you know, true, real, real testament to functional fitness and this method of CrossFit and this training I've done because it's uh, not only developed me to totally as an athlete, but it's really reduced some of the uh, limitations I had on my impaired side. And it's made it far more functional. And I use that daily, whether it's carrying groceries or using my residual limb to assist my body with things. So um, it's, it's, again, reiterated to me why uh, CrossFit's so great, because folks gain function outside of the gym by doing it. Uh, and that was always my approach in training. Sorry, it's a long-winded way of answering what a training week looks like, but uh, I don't know how else to address so let's it. So let's throw around some numbers for the, for the squad. What are some... Uh, uh man i got chicken legs dude my squat's not good that's what i'm focused on right now my back squats 365 that needs to get well over 405 so i'm on a goal of like first 405 but then 450 is the goal what about the cleans back what about all all the other crossfit squat, squat clean uh 255 and that's just single arm. I don't use the harness or anything for that. That's just that's the power. <laughs> don't try this at home, kids, because that will fail. No, yeah, you got to be careful with that one, man. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, clean and jerk. Really big. Very proud of this recent PR. Yes. This was about a month before the CrossFit Games at an, uh, an event down in Florida. Uh, and that was two twenty five. That, yeah, that was a massive, crazy. massive PR for me. That's Previously, right. two years prior, the PR was two hundred. So, uh, and for two years of training, I never, I never went for uh, a bigger well, you just PR. Ripped it though. You just went for it. And I mean, you had the whole, the squad was there. Everyone was going. That was sweet. Yeah, it was epic. That was epic, man. And I swear like the, the, the unfortunate part is like I power cleaned 225 and like the split jerk was like, there was room to go more. And that terrifies me because in my mind, <laughs> I watched that video enough and I'm like, Logan, there's no excuse not to be able to put 250 overhead now. 
And like when you weigh 160 pounds, I'm like, this shit doesn't make sense. I'm gonna snap my arm at a certain point here. I don't know, but I'm I'm encouraged and tempted to keep pursuing it, keep growing. Just it. a gallon of chocolate milk a day until you weigh 180. Bro, you're <laughs> telling me, man. That's basically what I do. That's basically yeah. it. So yeah, uh, that's it. The snatch 150, similar, but yeah, those are just those are just some numbers. So, so the games just happened. Yeah. Uh, you got a podium. Talk us just through that. What was that? What was that like? Well, man, it was, I mean, incredible experience, three day competition, uh, for the adaptive division. We had seven events, which frankly I thought was a little bit on the light side. I was expecting more events. Um, but in hindsight, I am super thankful. It was only seven, seven was plenty. I died. Uh, (laughs) so thankful to have made it on the podium. It was a fight for third place. It came down to a points chase. I mean, literally a tiebreaker between myself and Victor, who is uh, a fellow competitor, fellow above elbow, uh, upper extremity athlete like myself, and was living with me for for two months leading up to the competition. So it makes a lot of sense why we ended up almost coming out, you know, tied right at the very end. He was literally living with me and training with me. He's from Ecuador. And after that event in Florida with the, the clean and jerk event, he just stayed in uh, the States and moved up to North Carolina and lived with me uh, for, for the CrossFit Games. So, yeah, to, to get on the podium was great. Day one, I was super confident. I was like, oh, man, this is – I am feeling – I'm on fire. Just PR'd my deadlift, 502 pounds. Like, this is huge. Feeling good. Well, uh, I smoked my CNS for day two and three. So what would be, what should have been some pretty great workouts for me on day two turned into a, just trying to manage, trying to save myself, just trying not to absolutely crash on these events. Um, cause that's just, that's just how it goes for me. When I pull really heavy, like my CNS is smoke. It always has been that way when I go real heavy on the pulls, which makes sense. But like, uh, it was a sacrifice I was willing to make, I think for that 502 deadlift. So, so yeah, the first day was great. And then day two and three was just managing. It was just me trying to, to hold on and an incredible learning experience. Frankly, you know, from the side of competition, I've done a lot of CrossFit competitions, a lot, um, never three days. I've done a lot of two day events, but the third, the third day really showed me the value of fueling of like really, really effective fueling and recovery. I'm very knowledgeable and aware of good recovery practices and all of the things necessary to optimize your performance. But man, it, it just became so evident when you're there and in that environment at that venue for such long days that your job, from my perspective, is really not, it's not the fitness and the warming up. It's the, it's the nutrition, it's eating. Um, and that was my personal experience. I feel like I, really struggled to have enough calories in to be fueled for the events. So what was your biggest learning there? Like when you do it again, what is your fuel going to look like? What is your recovery going to look like in between events? And then which event do you feel like you have the biggest opportunity to work on and what are you going to do towards that? Yeah. Great question. Uh, When it comes to fueling, uh, it's, it's just, it's way more carbs but not carbs. I was going to carbs that were super fast, like a ton of sports drinks, um, some applesauce was like the most dense thing I would eat throughout the day. And it needs to be, I need to get into sweet potato, into white rice, into maybe a little bit of protein too. Um, so it was just very much, and I noticed it, like I felt it and I was nervous about the protein because of that slower digestion. But I really think in training, I was, I was on protein a lot before training sessions and after. 
So I don't know why in the heat of competition, I changed things, right? You know, so uh, a little bit of a learning lesson there. Uh, and then from the events uh, and really like the different modalities, I, um, I wasn't unhappy with the first event, which was just a four and a half mile run. I uh, definitely should have done better in that one. I came in fourth in that. So I need to improve my general aerobic capacity. And then more specifically, um, I'm really not too af- worried about my strength, general strength, but I need to increase like my work capacity. So the ability to maintain high output in these long chipper style workouts, a ton of volume getting done in some 20 minute window. I really need to increase that that ability. It's, it's just very interesting to look at the tests that were given to us and my outcome and performance and perceived effort on them. I feel pretty good about my strength and about my conditioning, but I feel like I have not figured out a good, a good mixture of maximizing the Metcons, literally the stuff, what a CrossFit workout is, right? Like, and that's what I do. So you would think that's the part I would be really good at. But I think I've spent so much time trying to build the base of strength and conditioning. I don't think I was as prepared as I could have been for just the actual events of CrossFit. And our competitor, I mean, our field is very, very competitive. It's incredible. Guy who came in first in our division, he also qualified for the semifinals, like the able-bodied semifinals. Like he's he's a freak of nature and, and a, an incredible friend of mine too. So we're all really close. Um, we know each other really well. We know each other's numbers really well too. Uh, so there's a massive competitive, friendly competitive drive outside of even the com- competitive season. That's awesome. When you you know when you guys are done with these events, it seems like. Um, and I've done CrossFit workouts, no CrossFit athletes, but haven't gone through any like long training cycle. I haven't done any CrossFit specific competitions. I actually just started doing the high rocks races. Oh um, yeah, man. A little bit like a mix and it's actually like fucking gnarly. The yes. thousand meter repeats are brutal. Yes. <laughs> Five miles of sprinting. Yes. Um, and it sucks. That'd be good um, training for you. It yeah, like. in a, in a, <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I haven't spent a really long time, you know, like fully in the, the CrossFit atmosphere, but it seems like it's this great place, kind of like MMA in some respects where like people are ultra competitive, but then after it's such a great community and camaraderie, but I feel like that's, that's on another level for the adaptive athletes. Like when you guys are outside of competition, do you guys like work together? I, I would assume obviously that the messaging is coming out fairly coherent um, especially for you guys that are doing the same thing, competing in CrossFit. Like, what's that like? What other activities are you involved in? Like, talk to us about kind of your world outside of CrossFit. Yeah, well, you're you're exactly right. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah, the group of, you know, what's the saying? The number one rule about a CrossFitter is to talk about CrossFit all the time, right? <laughs> and uh, imagine, and you, and you know why? Because they're so passionate and because of community and camaraderie and you're a part of that gym and that's your tribe and all that. Okay, that's great. And I totally understand it and that's the way it should be. And now imagine that even on a more heightened level, someone with a disability, a condition that is not very common. You don't have just a you don't just go to the grocery store and see people with conditions like that or that ability. But then of that group, of that subset group, they're the type of person that doesn't say, 
oh, this I can't do this. Okay, I'll just accept I can't do this. They're the hard charging, pursuing of excellence type of person living with a condition that most people don't have a part of a group of really passionate people pursuing their highest level of potential. So what I'm getting at is within a very cult-like group of individuals, i.e. CrossFitters, you have adaptive CrossFitters, which is an even more kind of just close-knit brotherhood of of a community that you're establishing because it's so far from the norm what is expected. You know, CrossFit is so far from the fitness norm, and which I think has come a long way from how that statement would sound like five years ago. But adaptive fitness is still new, is very new. And CrossFit is the place where you can kind of be uh, full of grit and, you know, really grungy and go to the warehouse and do the work and just figure it out. So I think like the adaptive CrossFit community is very much a close-knit uh, brotherhood because it's also this uh, this perspective of like open source. Like whatever I know, whatever I learn, a technique I figure out, I share it. Just like I was explaining that like Victor, a competitor of mine, a fellow competitor, lived with me for two months. I mean, housed him, fed him, trained with him. He was doing all of my workouts where, you know, technique and tips with each other because that's what moves the needle in a big picture. That's what moves like the global needle of getting more people involved and more people to realize that this is for everyone. And to be honest, I don't, it's, that's quite all right. If they don't CrossFit, I don't think everyone needs to become a competitive adaptive CrossFitter or everyone needs to CrossFit. I just think everyone needs to move and momentum is in the movement. So like if you're just moving every day, then you're going to become not only, and this sounds so cliche, but it's true. If you just move every day, you're going to become a better human. And yes, you'll become better at movement, believe it or not, but also you'll become better in your relationships and you might get a little bit better in your professional relationships and in the workplace. And like, it's all, it's all connected. It all matters. And that's just my my uh, experience, my experience. It's not even my belief. Like I've watched it happen. I've watched that happen to so many, so many people. And obviously I'm talking about folks that are um, typically very broken when they come in, right? Somebody with a disability who comes into a CrossFit gym and is unable to transfer out of their wheelchair. And we teach them through progression, through movement and technique and education and fitness and consistency. They can transfer in and out of their wheelchair. You know, like, you know how much that cha- that's, that's like saying, you guys aren't able to do a burpee. You're, un, you're not able to get down. If you get down on the ground, you can't get back up. Imagine the quality of life and independence that creates for yourself. Well, that's the situation people in wheelchairs are living if they can't transfer effectively. So to give them that ability is to give an able-bodied person the ability to do a burpee. Changes, changes your life to get down and get up. So um, that's where I get really fired up. And it becomes very obvious that what we're doing in the gym, yeah, you can get really good at fitness. You might get some muscles that look good when you're naked and all those sorts of things. That's awesome. But you get functionality and independence in your life. And for a population, a minority population of folks that need independence and that are lower on the socioeconomic status, typically don't have very many opportunities and a lot of costs associated with different barriers of entry in their life. If we can improve their health, then yeah, we improve their lives significantly. So my role outside of CrossFit is in doing exactly that. I I teach, educate, and certify fitness trainers around the world on how to be adaptive and inclusive trainers. So whether you're a CrossFitter, whether you're at a Globo gym or whatever, uh, we've literally worked with them all 
um, we make this knowledge accessible uh, so that the, the bridge can begin to get built for the individual with the disability sitting over here on the couch, wanting to find a gym, wanting to belong somewhere, and all of the incredible trainers out there in the world who are passionate about changing lives and helping individuals, we give them the knowledge so that they can safely and effectively train any human being with any sort of impairment or condition. And then we connect them with that person with the impairment in their community through our like affiliate map and things like that. So that's, that's what my time is spent on outside of CrossFit. And that's my company, Adaptive Training Academy. And um, that's, that's what it is, man. It really makes it full circle. This is like really the life that I, I live and breathe this stuff, man. I'm very passionate about it, not only as an athlete trying to perform at the highest level, but as an advocate for somebody who uh, is new to this new life with a condition or impairment or has just been told their whole life that uh, you have to sit on the couch, you're not going to be that capable, and, and you won't be able to do things, I'm here to flip that script and show people they're far more capable than they know. And they need that. That is like, first of all, uh, that's an incredible mission. And that I think is something that everyone should be seeking to be more inclusive, to have more knowledge, to be able to welcome everybody in. And to have just even as a personal anecdote, like a couple of years ago, I had a really, really bad leg injury. And a kid that was a year older than me at college, um, who's in the NHL, had the same injury in a game. And he was like, five months ahead of my four or five months ahead of my rehab process. And it was like kind of rewriting in my own mind, like, Oh, you're going to be able to do this. or you're not able to do this. And it's just like pretty rare. I didn't lose a limb, um, but (laughs) nearly felt like I did at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, having him, I reached out to him and was like, Hey, just want to let you know, like you're, like I'm watching what you're doing. And every time you do something to push a boundary a little further, like it's getting me up to go down to the gym to try and push that for myself and to try and get better. And for somebody in that kind of unique situation to be able to have them to look at is life-changing. It's like, that is such an awesome thing that you are doing. And I'm, I'm fully positive for me as an able-bodied person. Like I am inspired and educated and motivated by you. I cannot imagine a young 13 year old looking at you being like, Oh shit, here we go. Like this is very possible. Yeah, man. Very abled. Very, very abled. You're never alone out there. You know, that's, that's what you just, folks got to know. They got to know there's somebody out there like them that is persevering or pushing. So as long as you can uh, have somebody to look up to or look towards, um, you can always move in the right direction. It's awesome, man. Yeah, we love to uh, end every episode with something you kind of touched on. Um, our motto at Live Better is to have the best day ever every single day. So regardless that. of what happens, you have the opportunity to make it great, right? You said you could wake up, feel like shit, but if you just decide, yo, I'm going to go out and do this, and obviously you're living, you're living that truth more than probably anybody, um, what does your best day ever look like? You can wake up tomorrow, do anything you want. Doesn't matter. You could be on the beach. You could be power. You could do power cleans. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> what does Logan's best day ever look like? Yeah, man. Oh, I love that. I'll probably wake up probably on a beach, uh, on the water. I am. I that is where I'm most at peace. So some some sort of morning session, either a surf swim or a wakeboard session, like doing something on a board sport or activity in the water, followed up by uh, like a really 
really nice breakfast, like a, like good meats, grilling something all day on a smoker, like making some really good meat. Basically, the more I'm thinking this out, basically doing like a, uh, a, uh, a luau, basically having a luau. <laughs> that would basically be the best day ever. And I would mix <laughs> yeah. a little bit of fitness in there. I'd probably do a CrossFit workout just because I always like how I look after doing those. And <laughs> And, you know, I'd have my fiance with me. She does the same. She's a CrossFitter as well. So we'd be working out. We'd be playing with the dogs and just spending time in the sun, man. Sun, water, beach, like, and good food with good people, friends. Like, that's that's what it's all about, man. It's experiences, whatever that is. A hike, a good sunset, you know, it's the little things in life that make it all worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people get to know your... Uh your profession and then also see what you're doing, um, as an athlete and as an inspiration. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, easiest and most active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is just my last name, first name. So at Aldridge Logan, uh, to learn more about what I'm doing on behalf of adaptive training Academy and how we work with fitness professionals and get more adaptive athletes involved. You can check that out at ata.fit. That's our website. Uh, also on Instagram for that, it's just at adaptive training and, uh, those are the best places. You can always email me too. If you want to talk to me, if you have a message or a story or someone that you would like to connect me with or share a more information about uh, adaptive training Academy, you can reach out Logan at ata.fit. Awesome. Can I ask one final question since you mentioned being back in the water? Yes. How did you overcome what happened to you being in the water and now that's your favorite place to be. Yeah, man. I think it's, it's I think it's literally because of that. I think because of my accident, it's my favorite place to be. It is, I could not wait. I, I've always been like growing up, I raced motocross. Um, I did a lot, a lot of act, like extreme sports activities, a lot of snowboarding, um, a lot of skateboarding, like jumping six, eight, 12 stairs as a really young kid. And what I knew for certain to be like fact is that when you fall, you have to get back on that horse, right? You have to, you can't end a session wakeboarding. You can't end a session when you fell and you saw Tweety birds. Like, and that's probably, I mean, what I'm saying is probably not smart for like longevity <laughs> and health, but I'm just yeah. telling you, this was my mentality. Even as like a 10, 11, 12 year old, yeah. this was my mentality. Every wakeboard session, you hit the back of your head, you're seeing stars, everything's black. Well, you got to get back up and at least carve around and do like one wake to wake jump. So it was exactly that. That's all that it was. So I'm a, maybe I'm a bit twisted in my mind in that way, but like the place that should be where the terror or the fear is, is where the solitude is. Like that is where peace is. Peace is in the chaos. It is in the moment. So like as soon as you're out of the hospital, as soon as I'm able to go out into my home, I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go see the boat. Let's go see the boat. Boat's covered in blood. Parents didn't want me to see it. They sold it the next day, but I saw the boat. And then after that, I got a different boat, but I got the boat. The new boat that we got was all the same colors. Wanted it to look exactly like the old boat because I'm not, I'm not like, that's not, there's no reason for that to cause me to have fear or for that to cause me to have some sort of negative experience with the experience I had. This experience was the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's a very cliche statement, but it's just truthful. It's just truthful. And it's really powerful when you can look back in your life and find these 
unexpected, unfortunate incidences at the time. And when you can say that about them, you, you, you just, it's just not, it's just not a bad thing anymore. It's like, it's just a really good thing. Like I love being the guy with one arm. I love being a little bit different. I love that little kids say, mommy, where's his arm? What's going on? Like, I love that. I love that. I'm not just the same person as everyone else. No one is the same person as anyone else, but I'm so fortunate that I don't have to say any words. I can be walking down the street and you can be like, that dude's different. And I think that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm so thankful that this happened at 13. And and I think it's just uh, my mission to share this positive energy, to share this perspective and mindset and get more folks to be comfortable in their own skin, whatever it is. You don't have to look like me. You don't have to look like anyone else, but you should be super proud and empowered by who you are and just say, I'm the shit and move on with it, man. <laughs> That was a perfect That's way That's the to best end. ever. That is the best day ever. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Logan, we're, we're just, I mean, we're beyond inspired by what you're doing. And uh, once I can lift as much as you, I'll call you <laughs> if that's ever going to happen. So uh, let's go. We'll get a workout in. And if you ever want to surf, we'll, we go down to El Salvador a few times a year to do some dope surfing down there. Do you really? Yeah, Salvador. dude. We run, a, yeah. we run a couple retreats down there a year. Our, our November one is already sold out. But next one. We're going to hit you up. You got to yeah. do this surf is 85 degree water. Two, there's two breaks that are just freaking waves for minutes. You oh surf, my God. Good people and you eat, eat break amazing breakfast. breakfasts. You literally were describing the, the Talked day. about my best day ever. Yes. That's it. I, you were saying yeah. it. I was like, okay, well, we can do that next year. <laughs> this I've, I'm dying to ride this board. I had yeah. Bethany Hamilton's dad put the handle on it. So it has yeah. the duck dive handle on it. It's a nice, it's brand new. Like I haven't ridden oh, it yet. We're gonna all I, thing. Dude, all I go to is Costa Rica and Hawaii. So there you go. We got a new spot. And I don't go there enough. So the North Carolina waves are not cutting it. So uh, uh, dude, these waves yeah, are. The, awesome. you, you can, I'm going to send you some videos. You're going to be like, yeah. And they pump literally from 6 30 a.m. till you, till night. Yeah, like you, you could, could go out all day. Oh, go out there some days. Yeah, we surfed at midnight because the moon was so bright. Like, dude, it's yeah. nutty. Oh, that was good. My <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, we always kill each other. Dude. Uh, we'll, um, be, we'll go down together. Okay, so yes, I don't. I mean, maybe you just say that to all of your guests, but don't be saying that unless you're serious. No, no, no. Like, you're the only guest that has a surfboard in the back. <laughs> in the back. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like I'm going surfing. Well, we did say that to one of our guests, and now he's gone twice in the last year without. <laughs> oh rushing. shit! So oh yeah. shit! Yeah, well, he's addicted. Yeah, he's he, there right now. He's there right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You're like, well, yeah, we got to check out this spot, and then he just we see his Instagram, and he's there. I'm like, dude, why didn't you even tell us you were going? Oh shit! <laughs> Well, yes, please. I would love to stay yeah. in touch, and I would love to yeah. if if that next trip uh, happens. I'd love to help. You know, I'd love to participate and go, yeah, but also uh, be a help uh, in any way. Well, that'd be that'd be great, man. Yeah. This is an awesome conversation. We'll let you go for your meeting, but uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on here, dude. And uh, we'll stay it was great to meet you, and I kill it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so much. Peace, See brother. ya. See ya.